Hello everyone, this is a Discord conversation. My name is Job and tonight I'm here with Daniel, also known as Goldeneg. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Daniel, what brings you to the Discord? Alright, I was, uh, I've been watching Paul's videos for a long time now. Um, I was there that kind of first week. I was following Jordan Peterson on YouTube a lot at the time and the algorithm you know, one or two days after he posted it, suggested it to me. I was like, yeah, why not? And at the time, I was working at a job where I could watch YouTube all day long in front of a computer. Um, so I was watching a lot of YouTube. So I watched a lot of his videos early on. And I started working on the job where I was working outside. Couldn't do, couldn't do much YouTube anymore. Now I've kind of looped back with podcasts because now I'm commuting to work. So, All right. What got you into Peterson originally? Uh, part of it was having 40 hours to fill. That was a little intellectually stimulating. I was working at a job where we essentially, I kind of called it playing a crappy video game, but it was updating tax records for a telecommunications company. So we just put it into this weird mapping software. And it was not hard and very boring. And I could watch YouTube all day. Um, I was watching some political stuff. Then Jordan Peterson came up and it was like, oh, look, and he's got lectures. I love learning. So I listened to all of his lectures a couple times through. Um, and then kind of just kept going. He really, I had always been uh, comfortable with at least propositionally saying I was a Christian, though um, I was not for all practical purposes. It had been years since I had gone to church. It had been a long time since I had prayed or read my Bible or done anything that would be kind of, you know, proper Christianly. Um, and he was very much encouraging taking action. My life was, you know, never great. And it was definitely not very good then. Um, and his was a pretty good encouragement that I needed at the time, for sure. When you're saying that, that it, it helped you connect with your, your Christianity again, so you were raised that way? Yeah, well, and I was raised in a uh, in a pretty like mega church environment, so we're talking like four or five thousand people at the church. Wow. Um, yeah, I went to a couple of those actually. I'm from Colorado Springs, and we're kind of notorious for it. Um, we've got some of the the biggest, you know independent small single building churches we've got also more churches per capita than any city in america um so i kind of grew up in that environment and you know kind of kind of made me feel lonely more than anything right couldn't never felt like i really got close to anyone there i had one friend from the church who we wound up going to high school together um 
but for the most part, I didn't feel very connected to the church. And then at one point, my dad really liked the uh, the pastor, but then he was interesting, funny, you know, intelligent. And then he left. So then my dad like stopped going to church. Um, he still stayed a lot, very committed. He's very disciplined with his prayer life and his Bible reading. But you know, the mega church, the mega church tended to be pretty. It seemed to me, at least, pretty dependent on one uh, kind of a big show with the worship music, but my dad never sang, which was weird to me. But the other thing was, you know, kind of a charismatic, excellent speaker. So by the time I was in college, you know, it was kind of like I had YouTube. There wasn't any reason to stick with it at that point um so yeah jordan peterson really i like i said i'd, I'd probably always use the proposition yeah I, i'm a christian but for me it was almost uh you know it was it was an infelt identity more than it was a practicality and By college, I was, you know, my my weekly liturgy was watching, you know, superhero television shows, and then the big feasts of the year were getting to go, and then, you know, dressing up and going out and ritual to the premiere of the newest Marvel movie. That was my wow. <laughs> that was my practical faith through uh -huh. college. Um, but Peterson really reminded me, like, what I was. What I'd been looking for, um, which for me, for quite a while, had actually been uh, Eastern Orthodoxy. I had a friend in middle school who's Greek Orthodox. We'd get in, you know, disagreements. I'm, I'm a bit of an arguer. I'm a bit of a debater. Um, I like to disagree. Um, and more than a few times, I've, you know, I accused him, hey, you're worshiping these things. It's like, no, I'm not. You can't tell me what I worship and what I don't. We worship God, but it's like, well, no, I think you're worshiping those icons. And I walk mm. away, huffed up and pumped up, like, yeah, I knew it. I got him. Um, and he still, you know, he was still a friend and a good friend to me after such a rudeness on my part and he really inspired me and a couple years later i was in college uh happened to be dating a girl at the time who knew him too and we went to like a different church every week for almost a year trying to figure out find something that kind of fit and we had agreed we should go to a, an orthodox church both were really interested by it and mm -hmm. never did what what all did you try? What's that? What all did you try? I wonder. And and what did you think of the different ones you've tried? Well, when you got when we got to keep in mind these were uh, shallow. This was like maybe one two weeks and then move on. It pretty quickly became apparent to. To me, that like oh, there's, I see that the ritual, the liturgy, it's the same. You know, it's 
quick intro, little bit of music, quality of music varies, little sermon, little outro music, um, sort of simplistic, basic, same songs everywhere. Certain songs would become popular and certain others not so much. Occasionally we'd wander into a church where it was full of old people and the music was older. Um, and they were all, these were all Protestant churches. We didn't go to any Catholic churches or any Orthodox churches. And so after a certain point, um, you know, we were both Protestants. And so we had an idea like Presbyterians, Methodists, like we knew these things were different. But after, I'd say after about, about 10, we realized like, oh yeah, this is all the same thing. It's all, you know, these are just echoing each other. This is, this is all very similar, very familiar, you know, a little, and a little, uh, kind of person dependent or maybe people dependent is better. Like the, the churches we liked the most were the people that we got along best with or most like us. Right. Um, And for me, I was also, I procrastinated on going to the Orthodox Church because some part of me was like, well, that's not even my faith. Um, which is probably fair and true. Um, I was genuinely afraid of like losing the faith I was raised with mm. when I seriously contemplated Orthodoxy after that. Um, and I continued to read about it. I'm a history nerd. Um, you know, I'd read about it, read about the, also the, some of the theology and philosophy and that sort of thing. And a couple years after I got married, my wife and I tried, you know, tried some of these Protestant churches that kind of all felt the same kind of blandness. Um, and neither of us, we got along well with the people, but neither of us felt connected to does your the, wife, uh, does the your wife Go ahead. Does your wife have a similar background? Um, somewhat similar, yeah. Um, she, her dad was Catholic and her mom was Baptist, and they tried a few churches when they moved out here to Colorado. But eventually it just became unreasonable for them to find a church that they, they both liked. So for the most part, they didn't go to church through her like middle school, high school kind of formative years. So by the, by the time she and I met, we were both in the same stage. Like, huh. yeah, there's a God. We, you know, she was a philosophy minor. We'd have these, you know, deep, profound metaphysical talks and uh, we were usually on the same page but that wasn't connected to any institution even decidedly so i was i definitely kind of came into a certain amount of you know being anarchistic i didn't believe in government but i believed in god and you know what i said god was was enough individualized kind of attitude towards towards everything, you know, society in general and God as well. And she kind of lined up with some of that as well. We were both scientists. That's how we met. Um, I was her chemistry tutor. 
she passed the class, but I wasn't that good of a tutor. Um, the, but I was well, there was clearly chemistry. <laughs> What's that? There was clearly chemistry, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was some sort of chemistry going But organic, too, was definitely not <laughs> the <laughs> chemistry that was being successful. Um, so, yeah, after a couple of years, we had been married. And, um, making plenty of bad decisions uh, for a, in a wide variety of ways. Um, we kind of hit, we hit rock bottom. We had, you know, the worst week of our lives to that point. And we were like, all right, well, there's something foundational that's really missing. Um, so there was a, there was a, we were in Denver at the time, so there was a recreational and medical marijuana shop called Kind Love that I had frequented a bit. Um, and across the street was this big gold dome with a very interestingly styled cross at the top. Huh. And I knew it was Greek Orthodox. And so at the end of this, you know, this hell week, I kind of said, well, why don't we try, why don't we just go to the cathedral on Sunday, see a liturgy, you know, just check it out. It's beautiful on the inside. Let's see what, it's beautiful on the outside. Let's see what it is on the inside. And we went in and um, it was half in Greek, half in English, but they it was laid out a bit more like Catholic churches are generally. The Greeks tend to do that with pews and you know a book that has the liturgy all in English so I could follow along. And it was, the dome is just absolutely massive. And there's icons going all the way around. There's the bottom layer is mostly Old Testament stories most of which I knew I had been reading the the Old Testament on my own sometime at this point. And just above that are are the New Testament stories, many of the miracles and events of Christ's life, and then above that were individuals. Um, I didn't know who they were because all their names were in Greek. Um, mm -hmm. I could kind of guess at the stories, right? Like, oh there's a there's Jacob and Isaac on the mountain. Right. Right. You can see that, but up top where it's just people with their names, it's like I'm not sure who those people are. And then, and then there's Christ the, in a panto crater at the at the top of the dome, staring down. Um, it was so overwhelming the first time we went. I couldn't even go all the way into the cathedral. It was I'm pretty visually stimulated, um, and it was just so beautiful and so overwhelming. Daunting. What we could see was this beautiful mosaic that covers the first, the front third above the altar. Tile metal mosaic of uh, Mary Christ. Just beautiful. And the singing was angelic. When we left, we got uh, left before communion and we got stopped by a 
a priest we didn't see serving inside because he's not serving, um, who had a bag of the blessed bread in his trunk. And he stops us and asks us, hey, are you visiting? Yeah, this is our first time. Well, we're glad to have you, you know, ask us questions and gives us some of the bread. He's like, it's good to take plenty. Take, take one for each day of the week. You need a little Christ each day of the week. And uh, wow, very friendly. And a, a few people, you know, kind of noticed us. We, we kind of stuck out. We look. We actually look pretty Russian as a couple. We're not. We're both um, many, many multi-generational Americans, so we don't really have a distinct ethnic heritage. Um, but I'm six foot five. At the time, I had shoulder-length blonde hair and a goatee, and so standing around a bunch of you know Mediterranean dark shorter men, um, mm. we stood out. We definitely <laughs> stood out. <laughs> Uh, so not many people tried to talk to us that first day. They, they were friendly enough and it's a big cathedral. There are a lot of people. Um, but this priest, you know, talked to us and then we were kind of chatting on the road home. We're like, that's what church is, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's, we both knew that was what we had been looking for. Um, for a long time and so we haven't stopped that was November two years ago I don't think we've missed a service since unless we were traveling you know had prominent cause so it was it was interesting because for me I, I kind of knew about orthodoxy it's more of its historical roots some of its differences, you know, theoretically. I even said a week before we had gone that I considered myself philosophically orthodox. I had no idea what that meant, but I said it, and that was odd to me. That was one of the things that made me think, like, I should probably actually go to service. If I agree with them theoretically, let's see what it is procedurally that I'm so interested in. Well, my wife hadn't heard anything at all in her entire life so for both of us it was interesting that we both felt that sure and comforted and drawn even though we came at it um at a very different time scale and as as, as a beautiful coincidence goes they their orthodoxy 101 class starting just a week later um, oh yeah, so we, we went to that, got introduced to everything. It was funny because we had just finished, I think, probably three weeks before the Protestant church. We did their kind of introduction membership spiel, and we really didn't like it. Both of us were like, this is droll. That didn't make sense. Um, but the the Orthodox one just really clashes, really resonated with um sometimes in different ways but we definitely do look at the world pretty similarly being scientists and um you know hobbyist philosophers so it was good to talk to a priest about <laughs> plato 
and he knows more about Plato. He's Greek. He takes it a lot more personal. Um, so it was it was very good. And the the yeah, the, the community has really taken you in. It sounds like. Oh yeah, um, they were very very welcoming. Um, it wasn't hard to find more than a few people willing to be our sponsors, and we wound up finding a married couple. So the the wife sponsored my wife, and the, the husband sponsored me. Um, what does that mean? And they were. So you kind of have a there's kind of a for converts you have kind of a sponsorship, someone who kind of takes you under their wing, kind of like a godfather. Um, like a mentor? Uh, it's kind of in the days that, you know, you want two people, you want a lay person and a priest saying this person's ready to be um, chrismated or baptized. And we actually needed to be baptized. Neither of us had been baptized as, as babies. Huh. Um, and so that was ultimately... So we were very lucky in that regard, though they do less so with the Greeks. The Greeks are more comfortable just doing a charism. Um, I've noticed the uh, the Russians and, and the OCA, the Orthodox Church of America, which is kind of, a, I don't know, it used to be a Russian missionary and then it granted its own independent status. They tend to be more comfortable with, yeah, we'll baptize you. The bishops don't always like it, but the priests think it's helpful. But it was our first baptism, so no need to worry about the the second baptism issue. What was that like? The baptism was good. Both of our parents came. Um, both of the the mothers were intensely skeptical. Mm. Um, my mother thought I was getting we were getting in over our head that we were you know we'd all always been a little odd. We talked like scientists, um, <laughs> but this was very odd. What they're becoming Greek now? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and my mother-in-law was very she's very practical and. Hard nose. My mother is much more artsy, and she's an elementary school teacher. But my very practical mother-in-law just thought, "Why are we going through all this?" Um, as soon as my mother saw the the icons in the cathedral, she said, "That's when that's when she changed her mind. She saw and got the uh, the feeling, the presence of God in in that place." And, the beauty and it suddenly made sense to her why we would why would we choose to become Orthodox because it it wasn't about it wasn't about being Greek that was that's been an interesting kind of confusion point a lot a lot of people have they ask us all the time oh you're Greek Orthodox well no <laughs> neither of us have any Greek we're not in Greece we're Orthodox. Um, but it was, yeah, the, the beauty did more, um, 
more of the work convincing my mother that this is a good thing than anything I could tell her. What did your father think? He's mildly curious, but sometimes he's even very curious. Um, and we've talked about specific, you know, issues, spiritual issues, and I've given him kind of the orthodox take, and he's like, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but he's also very, very, very conscientious. So, it, you know, it's got to take a pretty big event, a pretty big upsetting of his schedule for him to consider adjusting or changing anything. But he's been, I mean, he's very open-minded about it and hear, um, hear me out, give me the benefit of the doubt. Um, there's a lot of respect and trust we've built up. I'm very fortunate to have a very good good relationship with him and his attitude has been you know he's kind of seen the fruits of it he's seen me go from I mean it kind of gets into some other issues which I'm happy to help but a big part of it is I've had health I doing the the PhD route through chemistry but I wound up my junior year, I started having migraines on a fairly regular basis that would last two to three days. Wow. Um, by November, my senior year, I always had a headache. Um, I had been placed on an anti-epileptic medication for a while, and once I quit using it, the, the anti-epileptic medication worked. It reduced my headache days to, you know, they'd only last maybe a day, but they were more painful. So my, mm. so my doctor recommended I quit. As soon as I quit, I started having headaches every day. Um, and that's, that's still the case. Um, so it's been in one month, it will be seven years um, of continuous headaches. Holy shit. In response to this, you know, kind of bounced around a bunch of a bunch of specialists and decided like, all right, I, I gotta get my degree. I gotta get my bachelor's degree and get out. I can't I can't do a master's like this. I can barely I can barely go to my classes now and you know, I'm basically at a half schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got bounced around to a bunch of specialists. Um the first one got me addicted to, and you know, I, I bear a great deal of responsibility in this as well. Um, got me addicted to Effexor, an antidepressant, because there aren't many migraine-specific drugs. Um, and so, the antidepressant didn't help my headaches, but the doctor thought I was just anxious. Um, and high stress levels were causing my headaches. I wasn't that stressed out. I was, you know, I was in my senior year. I was almost done. Everything was wrapping up. I wasn't that stressed. But he thought, you know, patients lie. So he got me on that, and it's one of the hardest antidepressants to quit. I kept trying to quit, and it would just, I've always struggled with some mild panic attacks, 
Um, but generally my anxiety is pretty low. But when you're trying to quit an antidepressant, that'll it'll get that adrenaline firing. So I'd have really bad panic attacks when I tried to quit, and it didn't help at all. Mm. It made me feel little pleasure, um, little excitement. You know, everything is just kind of muted and neutral. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I hated it. I absolutely hated being on it, but I also couldn't quit. And I was also having each month the pain would get a little worse. Did you still have you know, the headaches? So, and I still, yeah, yep, still, still had them, still have them. So then I go to a new specialist. She identifies that I have sleep apnea. So that helps. That's the first thing that's actually helped. And it's been more than a year of talking to doctors. Um, I wear a mask that prevents me from stopping breathing at night because apparently I was doing that. So once I start using that mask every night, I feel a lot better. Um, and it's funny because the attitude generally amongst the doctors is, yeah, but people don't actually use their apnea machines. But I was like, I do, because if I don't, the next day my headache is twice as bad. I'm in, sh uh. I'm in searing pain if I don't use it. So I use it every night. Um, I've got the proper uh, incentives in place. It feels like death if I don't. Right. Um, so that was really good. And then she wound up kind of trying to experiment. The anti-epileptic helped a little, so we tried two or three more. All of them would work somewhat okay in slightly reducing the pain for a little while, but then tolerance kicks in and the pain's just as bad as it was before. I wind up kind of exhibiting multiple types of migraines. So I get like tension migraines from my neck, but also dehydration headaches and bad blood flow headaches from other causes. And so they also put me on a muscle relaxant to tension migraines, which does help a little. But now I'm also having to take the muscle relaxant every day, um, two times a day, and the anti-epileptics. And I'm still on the antidepressant, which I told her the first time, like, if I can get off this antidepressant, even if my headaches aren't better, I'm going to feel a lot better because I can actually right. feel good and feel bad. But she didn't, you know, she tried to do what she could. She gave me all sorts of, you know, varied and odd compounded pain relievers. I tried all these different types, probably a dozen different types of pain relievers. Vicodin would, you know, really mute it down, but I also would get kind of, you know, intoxicated in a bad way and was really wrecked havoc on like panic and the anxiety. So, and, and I knew it was a, you know, talk about addicting. It's bad enough. I'm already addicted point to, you know, two, three medications. Do I need a fourth? Um, and so I wind up, I live in Colorado, always have, probably always will. So I wind up trying some, cannabis i try a few uh in college when i first get it you know just hang out with you know the college kids who smoked weed and every time i would smoke and i a bit still have a bad headache that's not a fun experience <laughs> being around a bunch of people having a really good time and you're sitting there 
barely buzzed with a headache. Mm. Not fun. I really didn't like weed as a result. But I wind up. So I'd been unemployed for a couple of months. Like my girlfriend who became my wife stayed with me through that, through whatever God-given reason. I start working at a gas station and I talk to a guy who works at a cannabis shop real nearby about these migraines I'm having. And he's like, you know what, man? I think I've got one that'll work for you. It's like, all right, I might as well. I work at a gas station in Colorado. People already assume I smoke weed. Like, it's going to hurt. Um, so I take, it, it's, it's, it, it's still crazy to me. I take one hit and my headache is gone. Wow. It had been three years of continuous headaches and I take one hit and it's gone. And I was like, oh, wow. Oh, my God. This changes everything. Yeah, I bet. Um, I, I actually have relief. So the first thing I do is quit the antidepressant. I'll cut it out, and then ah, oh, life is life has got peaks and valleys again. Like you know, it's it's interesting. And then you know, a couple of months go by, and I get complacent because I just got off the antidepressant. I think you know that's hot enough shit, right? Like things are starting to look up, even though I'm smoking weed every day. Mm-hmm. I get a job. A chemistry job again, working R and D, and you know it's it's going pretty good. But then I just don't sleep um, for seven days. I'm still not being very healthy. My hobbies are video games, you know, so I'm not active, not eating very well at all, and I just can't sleep for seven days. I'm trying to. My my cure all is no longer curing, and so the seven days without sleep, I, you know, we my wife we just got married, two or three months prior. Um, she stuck it out, and there I was with a real career again, and you know, and then this health crisis kind of happens. It's like man, right, something's right, really. Right. I gotta I gotta figure out what's going on here. So I'm listening to a lot of Joe Rogan, smoking a lot of weed. And he has a doctor on who talks about the ketogenic diet. And what's more, he talks about the study, kind of the original study done in the 1920s of the ketogenic diet. And it's kids with severe epilepsy that medications don't help mm-hmm. or don't help much. And I, I think to myself, the anti-epileptic medications, they had other issues, but they were the only things that kind of helped a little bit with the migraines. So I decide the big sleeplessness happens in January. I decide April 1st. I give myself time, and it's April Fool's Day, because only a fool would try to change, uh, I used to say. So I decide April 1st, I'm going to start. I'm going to start this ketogenic diet. I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it like they do in a study where you start 90% fat, 10% protein, zero carbs. Yeah, those study diets were harsh. They were extremely restrictive. Yeah. And then, and then I'm going to step it back. And, you know, 
get a little more loose with it. And it was it was tough and weird, but it helped my headaches so much. Um, it kind of felt like the same effect that I got from the anti-epileptics, but even even more so. And I also started, it was little, but I started genuinely being active every day. I would do, you know, 10 push-ups three times a day. I'd try to do, like, elevate my feet when I did push-ups to encourage blood flow to my head. Um, some sit-ups, a little bit of walking. I also started deliberately going outside on my at work, and I just lay on the grass under the sun because I I grew to like hate the light a lot because it would give me issues with my migraines. Right, I was, right, I was right. Very light sensitive, so I was like, I gotta stop that. I gotta, you know, the sun is a good thing. I need to learn to love it. The only way mm-hmm. to do that is to practice it. Yeah. Um, so I really just, so I'm essentially doing some mild meditation on my break. That's going to help my stress levels, which also does pain and the working out and, and the diet. And I change it all at once and it's really helping. So I quit my anti-epileptic and the muscle relaxant. The muscle relaxant was, or maybe it was quitting them both at the same time, but I, for a little while I would have, um, foot cramps really bad and leg cramps and arm cramps and I would just get the shakes at night because oh. um, the, the muscles just weren't used to so your body produces this chemical called uh, GABA which stops neurons from firing once they've started firing unfortunately the drug I was taking the anti-epileptic was a is gabapentin. It's literally synthetic GABA. So my body just stopped producing that chemical because oh, it was no. receiving it externally. So my, you know, and that's also doesn't help the kind of panic attacks, right? Because now I can't stop thoughts. Thoughts tend to just go of their own more. Mm. Um, so it's not great, but, you know, it's getting better and I tough it out, you know, now I'm just now I just smoke weed. That's the only medication I've gone from five to one. You know, we're doing great. And I tell my dad, kind of tying it back in. And I really didn't expect him to be very keen on it. Like we've talked about marijuana, but you know, he's harshly discouraged um, from using it. It's uh, it's not just a recent thing here in Colorado. There's been kind of a cultural culture with weed for a long time it's just become legal more recently and so he he wasn't keen on it but when i told him like you know you know how how many doctors i've been to what i've what i've gone through and none of it actually kills the pain well the weed does and he was supportive of it i i really expected you know I expected him to at least like think about it, but right away he's like, oh my God, I'm so glad to hear something helps. Mm. And if that's what it takes, then excellent. Um, and so now he's seen, you know, that I also used it to, to get healthy and get active. And so it was, 
I realized at the beginning of 2017, I was now completely addicted to marijuana and it was uh, not a good thing. Um, as much as it might help, it was a new crutch because now I was getting my sleep in order. I was getting the diet in order and the exercise and I knew that was doing a lot of the work. The weed just helped, you know, not let me play pity party all night, every night, you know. And that needed to stop. That that had become a crutch. It was an incredibly valuable tool and medicine when I found it, but it was no longer that. It had been a couple of years. And so all of 2017, I'm trying to quit. My wife and I have this hell week in October. And then it's two or three weeks. We The hell week is, in part, we both tried to quit at the same time. And it was just a terrible time really bad so i realized all right i should quit first and then i'll help her i've got a little more experience quitting drugs at this point i've had to i've had to curtail four addictions so far maybe five kind of depending um and once once we go to the orthodox church for the first time i'm like okay this is what i need this is this is Kind of the simulation of spirituality from the ritual of the weed smoking um the daily practice of the packing and smoking the weekly practice going out and buying these rituals need to die and there's a better ritual here um mm. in the prayer life and in the liturgy so a couple of weeks after we go not long after we start going i quit i haven't smoked since um and yeah then i think four or five months after we start going we we get baptized and then we move we leave denver um we couldn't afford it anymore so we moved into a neighborhood five minutes south of my parents and just had our first our first born once we bought the house, we figured it was time to have a family. Now, oh, congratulations! Eleven months later, thank you. <laughs> it's great, and I uh, we're not watching the baby. It's the first day uh, baby's being babysat at my parents' house, so that's great. That's even better. <laughs> <laughs> Free babysitter wow. five minutes away. Yeah, so it's been a. Uh, Jordan Peterson came probably about halfway through that. So he was definitely speaking to a lot of the, you know, improve things a little bit in one area, and you'll find over time things in every area will gradually improve. So I'd been, you know, kind of walk acting that out before I heard him articulate it. And that's why he really clicked, particularly his his lectures early on for me. Um and then combine that with Jonathan Pajo. I think I think his first video with Jonathan Pajo was right about the same time I was first going to an Orthodox church. Um, and Jonathan's was the first story I had heard of someone who was raised Protestant becoming Orthodox. Um, so it was it was almost a weird, I don't know, almost like a reassurance, like you can do this and it's okay. You're still 
still a Christian, you're just going to become a different always been kind of different. Everyone's kind of known that. You don't look at these things like everyone else, and that's okay. Um, and it was far more comfortable to start looking at things more like the Orthodox do for me. But I had had 12 years of reading about it. I, I don't want to give I don't want to give Jonathan Pajot too much. He wasn't the person who introduced me to Orthodoxy. It's you you've had quite the trials, man. I mean your story is just one of continuous perseverance. And I'm so glad to hear that it it got better because of all of it and because you kept trying and I I find it interesting the the stigma towards the marijuana while you know you're taking these these drugs that do god knows what to your system that yeah. happen to be medically approved yeah and then there's marijuana which is like, oh you shouldn't do that like oh i should put all this other stuff in my system like it's clearly also not helping and way more addictive from what it sounds like yeah for sure well and it's funny because it was also for my life it's also you know i was uh I was a chemist, so I was also even looking to to chemicals, hoping that would be somehow um, the end of suffering in my life. That's why I, you know, I should have learned my lesson after the first drug that made my life so much worse. Right. But it was still, I still believed in chemistry because I knew it. I could look at these, I could understand them, but the more uh-huh. I could visualize and understand them, it didn't do anything to help. Um, the thing that helped was the good old-fashioned of diet and exercise. Every doctor I've told the story to, they're like, well, yeah, that's what we always tell people. I'm like, I know. All my doctors told me many times. I just didn't listen. I had to feel like I was literally dying before I decided maybe I should eat better and work out a little more. And it's what's really beautiful to me since becoming Orthodox is that there's something very intimately tied with orthodox ideas of asceticism. Because ascetic, A-E-S-C-I-T-I-C, ascetic is Greek for exercise. And so Uh. you see a lot of the, the monks in this spiritual tradition, you know, fasting, we call that diet now, but they're doing a lot of fasting, very deliberate fasts, and they line up their fasts with their church life. And they also endure tremendous physical labor, generally on their own, you know, keeping up farms on by themselves, keeping up the monasteries by themselves. When they pray, they pray for three hours at a time standing. Um, yeah, it's very... Go ahead. A very out there way of living. Like, I mean, I just come out of a five day fast, uh, water fast. And I mean, at some point, you just, I like to call it fasting brain, where you're just kind of just really focused. Not because you're hungry, it's just something that happens. You're, and, it's interesting, particularly if you're fasting with a, kind of spiritual wind in mind. I fasted a little bit in 
in high school. I'm guessing kind of similar to the way you did, where it's you're kind of by yourself. Um, and I, that is my favorite part about fasting. You you start to get hungry, really hungry, and then you get to that breaking point where it's like, no, my hunger isn't what dictates me. And your brain goes into perfect fluidity and mm -hmm. you're able to think incisively, focus so keenly um, because you've overcome this supposedly, you know, primal desire of hunger. Yeah, that is a very interesting way of putting that. But it, it like, you know, it, I, I try to just, I don't know, you get better at reading books. I found myself getting more focused during prayer. It's, it's, mm. it's, yeah, I, I think I will kind of just keep doing that once in a while. I mean, do, are you still on the diet right now? Yeah. So I haven't gone back. Um, I'm more of a just real low carb, carb cycle kind. And it is particularly tricky being Orthodox since our fasts are no animal products. Uh -huh. So it's kind of hard to load up on enough fat with no animal products and generally no olive oil. But I, you know, I've worked with my spiritual father and talked to him about what I need. So I have kind of permission to do do avocado oil on my salads at lunch so I at least get enough fat to kind of sustain me. And from what I understand chemically of fasting, when you kind of reach past that breaking point, sorry, this is maybe demystifying, but I, I can't help it as a chemist. Um, when your brain is using and burning fat, using fat as an energy source, instead of uh, carbohydrates, it's got that at least apparently more effective ability to transmit signals in your brain because the nerves themselves are coated in fat. So you, it's a more uh, habitable environment, that energy source. That's why the brain feels better during fasting. It also makes sense from an evolutionary perspective because if our ancestors just lost their minds every time way too hungry, we probably wouldn't be here. They went through many involuntary and that's why it's increasingly important from my perspective that we fast. Um, it's no longer going to happen involuntarily, but it's part of what we are. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I've been eating keto for about two years now and it, it's, it's, I mean, I was diagnosed with depression as a kid with ADD and mm. all my, and all my symptoms are gone and they have stayed away. I don't lie awake anymore wondering about death. It's just, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And I keep hearing, great. I keep hearing stories from people like you where they've done a similar thing and it, it, it just absolutely changes their life. And I mean, I don't know if how the religion part fits in for me personally, but I like to think that in your case, it, it combined very well in your overall strategy to, to work on yourself. Yeah. And it was, in many ways, it was, in an odd way, it was kind of like the last thing, but it was also 
the it might have been the last piece of the puzzle that I put in, but it was the piece that made the entire puzzle make sense all of a sudden. That like looking back, I can oh now I see what this was what this was building towards, what these what these steps were. Um, and that happened very viscerally. And this is a weird story, but I feel like I have to tell it because I want I, I'd love to hear someone tell me that they've either seen or heard of something similar. But I started having so it had been a couple years on the on the keto diet. And I was listening to a lot of Jordan Peterson just about to get into orthodoxy. And I knew it was coming. My YouTube habits kind of reflected that kind of a move. And I started experiencing a very distinct deja vu that was not I've been here before, but this is where I've this is what I've been looking for for a while. Um, and it's odd because the overwhelming joy and pleasure in the Orthodox Church actually reduced the unsettling of that deja. Um, but there, there are like weird just moments that almost make me think back to when I'd had lucid dreams as a kid and I could kind of pick where I was going and then just life kind of became like that um, and it's not because it got easier it's not because there wasn't struggling it was because I was choosing struggling huh. um, but I don't know if you've had any of those deja vu but that's what I'm really curious about because that's been odd I, not I bad. don't I don't know because I don't know what a deja vu particularly feels like. I, mean, I only know of the term, but I mean, I think the closest I've been is when we had firefighter training in a in a church in our village, and afterwards we had um, a review of like, how did we do, what are good points, bad points. So we all sat in church and uh, we faced the the place where the, the preacher stands, pardon my English. Uh, and I I remember sitting in that church and I'm like, oh, this, this, this feels kind of right to sit here. <laughs> and that's the closest I think that I can come to what you describe. But that, that started me together with having started to listen to Peterson to get interested in church again. Like this, this, there's something here that I forgot was there. I don't know if that's any similar to what you're describing. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 very much what it is. Um That's interesting. What's Peterson yeah. doing to us, man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's funny how many people I've I've found in this community that either keto or just low anti sugar in general. Uh it doesn't surprise me either though. As spiritual as it tends to be, the way I see it, these things are, they're all integral and they're all interdependent. The sleep, it's the, the fasting or diet, the exercise or ascetical effort, it's, and it's 
the being a part of the spiritual community. Has this changed the way? Like you have, you are a father now, which I imagine is 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 life changing in an amazing (laughs) degree. And uh, I are you able now to project a? How how am I going to say this? It doesn't sound weird. Can you project a potential existence further forward than you could before? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Um, I see. I see my plans in. Maybe 20 or 30 years. Um, In contrast, when I was. The first chemistry job I had out of college. During which I met my wife, who is still in college. I was fired because I couldn't train up fast enough. Um, Part of that was I couldn't produce results consistent enough because it was pipetting all day long. I couldn't do that quickly Mm -hmm. or efficiently because my hands would shake, partially because of um, generally poor fine motor control, but also I was on, which was at a low point in my blood levels in the middle of the day. I would take it at morning at night, so it was least effective while I was trying to work. And so I lost that job. And I had some savings built up and was able to keep my apartment for about six months. And at that point, I was My horizon was, all right, well, I'm not going to last more than a couple of months here. I'm going to just become homeless, probably just pick up opiates or something, zonk out. I won't make it long. I'll just leave my girlfriend and head out to the streets. I think I could do it okay on the streets. Wow. I had very much kind of accepted that. I'd say for me, at least, that ultimate nihilism. I was living downtown. I was two blocks away from a big homeless park. Um, The opioid epidemic was definitely starting to hit pretty big. I'd seen two or three people um, shooting up heroin in the street. And so that, that was kind of my... My horizon, my time horizon, I was I was thinking maybe a month and then it's just, you know, be in pure chaos, be in completely unordered shape. Um, but thank God that he had the plan to have a woman as stubborn as my wife dating me. <laughs> she was, she literally drove me to the blocks away from my apartment that I had never even heard about. She drove me to there. She opened the door to the car, told me, go get an application. I was like, okay. So I go in, I fill out the application, and they're like, oh yeah, no, we just opened up a position, and oh wow, you seem like a pretty smart dude. You're hired. 
Whoa. Okay, cool. And it, it really helped me get the, the sleep back in order because I was, they insisted that I work the morning shift. So it was six to two. It was beautiful. Like, way to kick my butt, get me out of bed in the morning and still have time to do things in the afternoon. Um, I really appreciate that job. It's I, I almost look back working as an R&D chemist. I definitely would assume people would think, oh, that's that might have been the dream job that I would have written down if someone asked me what my dream job would be with just a bachelor's degree in chemistry. But I very much was more engaged and fulfilled working at the gas station. Uh, it was exactly what I needed, exactly when I needed it. And it was, it wasn't, it was despite my own blindness, my own ignorance, and my own uh, unwillingness to work, I eventually got pushed in just the right way at just the right time. And, and she's continued to stay with me. And now, and now there's, uh, now there's our baby girl too. And that's, it's, you're right. It, as far as things that completely change the horizon, how I look at things and what my, my time looks like and what my health looks like and what I'm living for. I started pursuing a little bit of what, instead of what was expedient, you know, three years before I encountered Peterson. So when Peterson starts saying, yes, that's exactly it. It was not about finding the job that was easiest. It was finding the job that was meaningful and called me to be more than I thought I could. And that more than a job, that was a life started moving in that direction. Man, I mean, we're, we're, we're out of time, but thank you so much for for telling me your story and I'm so happy that you're you're doing so amazingly well and that your relationship is great and that you've 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 become a dad. It's it's so great to hear. Yeah, thank yeah. uh thank you for uh talking with me. I'd love to have another back and forth. I've got a lot of I got a lot of story in me, so I tend to unwind a little no, it's it's fine. I, I I can tell that there's more uh, more where where this is coming from. So yeah, no, we can definitely have another conversation. But uh, yeah, okay. I I I gotta stop recording for this one. But uh, again, Daniel, thank you so much, and I wish you all the best, man. Keep it up. Thank you. God bless. Yeah. Bye, bye, Daniel. Bye.